This is Pastor Joseph Davis. Thank you for joining the radio ministry of Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. We believe the Word of God is the lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. This Word will bless you right now. We don't want to walk around having faith without works because faith without works is it is dead, all right? We're not going to just shout and dance and believe everything's going to happen through shouting and dancing. Even though I like Second Chronicles 20, 20th chapter, that's the story of Jehoshaphat when they were wondering what to do. I love that story. But I want you to understand that's only one occasion in the Bible where God told them they didn't have a need to fight their enemies. All they had to do is go out and praise the Lord. And God said ambushments, he confused the enemy that the enemy didn't know what to do with them and they got the victory. But that was once in one situation. Every other situation, Israel had to fight. I said every other situation you had to fight. So I want you to stop thinking that just praising your way through everything going to take care of everything. All right, we established that. You're going to have to say do the work. All right, that's why we had the word C for contingent. All right, because God's going to do things contingent upon our faith. All right, contingent upon our faith. The Bible lets us know that God is able to do exceeding abundantly more than we can ask or think according to what? The power that worketh within us. And for, F, for E, evident, we spoke that it would be evident. All right, it says at the end of the 10 days, the time of proving that Daniel said, put me on this special diet. After the 10 days, it shows us that Daniel was 10 times better than everyone else. And so what I believe for our lives, even for this 21 day fast, our congregation is on. I want to make it known if I didn't make it clear on last Sunday, I'm going to say it. It ought to be evident that you have been consecrating with God for 21 days. There should be some sign of change, of growth, of improvement, of making some dynamics to your life, of improving your behavior, um, your attitude. By now, all right, by now, we've been on this fast for over a week now. All right, heading in, we're already into going into the second week of it. By now, you have or should have already been corrected by God. Yeah, by now, you should already heard God improving you. All right, correction don't, don't mean condemnation. Sometimes we hear, hear the word correction, we think a strong rebuke or, or condemnation. Sometimes it's just new knowledge or things you need to improve on. By now, you should be, have been tweaked by God in somewhere in your devotion. And if not, I want to challenge you to dig in a little bit deeper in your devotion. Dig in a little bit deeper in your prayer time because in this fast and consecration, it ought to be evident that you've been spending time with God. It was evident that Daniel was with the presence of the Lord because God made him better than the rest. He had the edge, all right? And so today I want to go into part two, a year for the books. My title is, Take God Seriously and You Will See the Blessing. Take God Seriously and You Will See the Blessing. You Will See the Blessing. As a part of my preparation for this, I asked the Lord, um, you know, what he, he was putting in my spirit, two specific things um, that really radically changed my life. Um, two specific things, and I'm going to teach only one of them today. Um, but two specific things. One of them is giving, and the other one is obedience to leadership. Two specific things that... Uh, two specific things that really transformed my destiny in my life is when I learned to be a, a, a strong, faithful giver 
and when I start learning to respect the men and women of God that he used, when I start obeying the word, listening to the word, not just reading the word, which is good too for my personal, but also listening to the people that God will use to pour into my life. When I brought myself out of a place of independence uh, and slightly rebellious, slightly rebellious, uh, slightly meaning that I have going to determine what I'm going to do and I'm not going to really listen to nobody else. I'm going to go to church, but I'm not going to really listen. That type of thing. When I brought myself out of a slight mindset of rebellion, God really transformed my life. And these two major things that really radically changed my life, not just attitude-wise, but material-wise. As I changed my attitude, and my attitude and my conduct, it showed up in my bank account. I said it showed up in my bank account. It showed up in the way I could deal with people and relationships. It changed the very dynamic of who I was as a person. No longer was I living life through a glass ceiling. What I saw, I was able to touch. What I saw, I was able to do. What I was thinking, I was able to materialize, all right? And so God was really saying, no, teach them what I've really done for you. You know, teach them. And so many times when you're talking about these type of subjects, it could be very difficult um, uh, for from people to hear, but I believe you'll hear the word of the Lord today. I'm going to start in Malachi 1, and I'm going to get to uh, the main point here, but I got to lay the foundation for Malachi 1. Y'all ready? I think y'all ready. Good deal. Malachi 1, I'm going to read a few verses here to lay the foundation. Malachi 1 says, this is the message, reading from New Living Translation. This is the message that the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet Malachi. It says, I have always loved you, says the Lord. But you retort or you respond, how have you loved us? And the Lord replies, this is how I showed my love for you. I loved your ancestor Jacob, but I rejected his brother Esau and devastated his hill country. And I turned Esau inheritance into a desert of jackals. This, he begins to explain through Malachi, he says, wait a minute, first thing I want you to know, people of God, is I love you. Say, God loves you. He tells Malachi, the people uh, through Malachi is, I love you. I loved you like never before. I loved you up until this point. I've been working with you through your life, and I love you. And, and, and this was a prophetic word to the people of God, and their response that they were having in heart and in mind was, God, how you have, have you loved us? In other words, they were, off, they were uh, offended with God because they felt that God hadn't really blessed them. God had not really exalted them. They almost felt like living for God was wasteful. As living for God didn't really have the proof of really living for him. It was like, hey, we living for you. We're your people. You keep reminding us that we're your people, but it's no fun serving you. We're not getting anything really out of following your, your laws and your commandments. He said, no, I loved you. And don't you ever forget that I loved you. And then he takes them back to their inheritance and reminds them of Esau and Jacob. And he says, I love your ancestor Jacob. It is an intentional point that he loved Jacob but hated Esau. It's an intentional point that he loved Jacob but hated Esau. Why? Because Esau rejected his birthright. Esau and Jacob are twins and they are brothers. 
and Jacob was the sun planter he was the second born and the prophecy was that the firstborn will get the blessing and the prophecy so the blessing and the prophecy through Old Testament was based on the firstborn and, and so Esau was the firstborn Esau got in a situation where he was hungry he was out there hunting uh, and, and he was hungry and he was so hungry Jacob negotiated with him and Jacob his brother said hey you hungry Jacob was a man who could cook so Jacob said I've cooked some great food I guess what I do since you hungry I'll go ahead and give you some of my food if you give me your birthright and Esau responds yeah have my birthright what good is this birthright to me in other words I'm living with these promises I'm living with this birthright and it had materialized into nothing yet and he said you can have my, basically you can have this birthright they done gave me these promises it don't mean nothing you can have it let me have something that I can feel in my belly what it shows us is sometimes we're in certain situations where we're tempted, tempted by our current situations and we value the immediate return of something that pleases the carnal or natural desire versus the spiritual inheritance. As I'm moving on, I got to encourage somebody say, hold on to your spiritual inheritance. He says, Jacob I love, Esau I hate it. God said he hated Esau because Esau gave up on the promises. In other words, when Esau gave up on the promises, he also gave up on God. He also was in contempt with God. He also was telling God, serving you is worthless. I'm wasting my time. I might as well figure out how to live my own life, do my own thing, because having this birthright means nothing. And God said to Esau, based on his decisions, if you're going to reject me, then I'm going to reject you. So God uses this um, to talk to the people of Israel to say, hey, you're saying God never loved you. He said, no, I loved you, but I want you to understand how I work. My love works. I want you to understand how my love works. I accepted Jacob, but I rejected Esau. He begins to lay the foundation that he has standards and he has requirements. He also tells them about his love in the book of Malachi he tells about his love because they did not take his love and worship seriously the first one is take God's love seriously the fact that God chose you take that seriously take that seriously don't get so uh, unhappy about your current situation that you start rejecting and denying that he chose you how many knew that God just had something special over your life? Just knew it. Now, everybody didn't know it, but if you just knew growing up, maybe somewhere through life, it was revealed to you in heart and in spirit that I, I got something on my life. God, God wants to do something with me. I don't know about you, but throughout my journey of life, I started to recognize that God picked me. Even before I picked him, even, be, even while I was still trying to get accustomed to living for him. I grew up in the church, so I knew uh, about church and doing the right thing. And I believed that the gospel was the right thing. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't unconvinced. I was convinced that Jesus had died for my sins. But I wasn't willing to give him my life at an early age. Finally, around 16, 17, I gave my life to the Lord. Because I knew something special was on my life, all right? And so, uh, he wants us to take his love for us seriously. 
But number two, uh, one of the things he wants us to understand, he wants us to take worship, say worship. He wants us to take worship seriously. The other problem that he had with Israel at this time is when they would come in worship, and we know the Old Testament model of worship is they would bring actual sacrifices to God. Look at your neighbor and tell him you got it easy. Not that it's not a sacrifice, but you don't have to go bring an animal in here. You don't have to worry about if it's uh, has spots or blemishes. You ain't got to worry about the blood because y'all get squirmish over the blood. So you ain't got to worry about all that kind of things that they had to do in the Old Testament to bring a sacrifice to God and offer it on an altar. So we got it easy. All we got to do is lift our hands, open up our mouth, give him honor, give him praise. Come on. All we got to do is make a decision. We ain't got to go out there and look for no turtle doves and no goats and no cows and no calves and things of that nature. It was a very rigorous uh, giving God sacrifice. Old Testament was very rigorous. And God comes to judge Israel because they have reduced his worship. What they're doing now is they're bringing lame animals, things with blemishes. They're bringing things that have no real value. Nobody else wants it, and they just figure, you know, I'm not going to give God my best. I'm going to give God what I got left. I'm going to give God my leftovers, and, and with the attitude is, and he better be happy. He better be happy because he know I don't come to church more than once a month. He better be happy because I'm coming to church twice a month now and God, God ought to be shouting and dancing in heaven because I don't came to, no, slow up. We thank for when you come. We're grateful to see, to see you. I'm grateful to see you. I don't know what you've been through that delayed you, but don't ever get an attitude that you're doing God such a favor when you show up twice a month twice a month if twice a month just happen to be what it is that's fine but don't get arrogant about it understand what i'm saying don't start lifting up yourself in pride they begin to give god anything rather than their their best and they gave god junk they gave god blind animals and sick animals polluted sacrifices and they didn't take god's worship seriously and god had to correct them for not taking worship seriously I want you to understand. I want you, you don't come to church just to please me. It ain't about that. You don't come to church for me. Now, while I'm glad to see you here and all that, you don't come to church for me. It must become a personal thing. You don't give God worship Monday through Friday in your own personal life for me. You don't do that for me. Come on now. You do that for you. You do, for, do, that, you do that to please God. We must get back to taking personal accountability for our worship towards God. He has to remind them that because they're telling him God, they're saying, God, you're not blessing us right. You're not really taking care of us right. He says the first thing is you don't understand how my love works. Number two, you don't understand how worship works. Number three, you don't understand how covenant works. How covenant works. God reminds them of covenant. First, the covenant he had with them. The covenant when he brought them out of Egypt, it was by covenant. He brought them out when they were still trying to figure out who they were, what their identity was. He sent Moses in there to talk to a Pharaoh, took a stuttering man and told a stuttering man to tell my people, let my people go. And I know we always mess with Moses and Moses had a stutter, but the leader represented the people. The reason he had a stutter because the people had a stutter. 
because they always had some interruption in their relationship with God and many times on the course as God would bless them they would forget that two days ago he made bitter water sweet he would bring them through tough waters and tough battles and they would quickly forget what God had done it's like Moses represented the type of people he was leading but God brought them out by covenant he also reminds them of the marriage covenant because they were having problems with the marriage covenant here they had a problem with the marriage covenant they were in and out of marriages without any type of conviction no type of solemn oath no type of it just was another thing and we can get out of this easy peasy matter of fact one of the reasons he he really addressed them with the covenant of marriage is because they begin to marry marry people of foreign nations married people are foreign nations now some people get it wrong some people get it wrong with God's intent here it wasn't that God was against other nations because of their uh, their color uh, or the tone of their skin it was because the other nations had other gods and when they went and married uh, unequally yoked they wasn't yoked up with another believer when they became unequally yoked they went into the sins of who they married and now they're back in idolatry on some mountain offering all types of sacrifices and they're far away from God because of who they marry come on somebody I know one of the most important decisions for a person when they come to get married is who you marry nobody want to say nothing glory to god it's who you marry come on somebody hallelujah it's who you marry come on somebody say who you marry all right and the bible begins to teach us about the covenant of marriage and we cannot lose what god has to say about the covenant of marriage if you're not careful the church has adopted the mentality of the world when it comes to marriage and god is serious about covenant come on god started marriage man didn't start marriage so man can't change the definition of marriage god see we got to get built up in the things of god and the covenants of god or other Otherwise, we break God's covenant thinking we can just do what we want to do and God's fine with it. God questions them. When they want to talk about how blessed they are, God says, I want to talk about how you treat covenant. I'm going to talk to you about how you treat covenant, how you just, uh, they were just giving away their wives in order to go marry these foreign women. And God began to tell them, I hate divorce. I hate to see y'all break this thing up like this. You're, you're so immature in your decision making. You're so immature on how you choose your destiny. That's what he's getting to. He says you're going to choose destiny by your purpose and by your calling. Come on, somebody. All right. Jesus picks it up in Matthew 19, 1 Corinthians 7. He talks about marriage. The covenant of marriage. Then he begins to talk to them as well in Malachi 3, while I spend the last few minutes I have, about they need to come back to repentance. So he talks about their love for him. They talk about the worship that they was giving. We talk about the covenant uh, that they have with him. Uh, let me talk about this covenant real quick before I move to Malachi 3. The other thing that was happening about covenant is they didn't know how to honor his name. You know, it's like when we just begin to swear. I swear to God. Now you can say that lightly, but you better you gotta watch your mouth swearing to God. You gotta get a higher reverence. 
The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you're not careful, you will lose the fear of God and you will start talking like everybody else and you will start disrespecting the name of God. And next thing you know, uh, you have broken the covenant of understanding his name and understand his name. You swearing by all kind of stuff and you saying loose terms like holy cow. The cow ain't never been holy, just a cow. No, we say these things loosely and we put holy uh, in front of words. And you know other words that people say with holy in front of it. Right? And these things are improper and it reduces the holiness of his name. And we got to be careful with our mouths. How we treat the Lord thy God. And how we honor or dishonor his name. Yeah, he begins to align them for the blessing. Alignment for the blessing. You know, I, one of these things, like I said, is can become hard to teach because if not in the church of Jesus Christ, if you're not careful, we can become spiritual junkies. That we expect God to do a whole lot when we do very little. And actually, again, like I said before, I can't get away from it. I'm really in a season of repeat and repetition. Uh, people lose focus for the structure and fabric of Christianity because we have no structure and no discipline. We have no structure and no discipline. Uh, our conduct, we have no uh, framework of our conduct. We just feel like we can do anything we want to do. And then some folks are the first people at least have some sense of shame and some sense of humility and be the first people to tell somebody I'm a Christian. I believe in being born again. And the Bible says if you be ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you. But sometime after cutting up so bad, you ought to be quiet for a season. I mean, for, from, from cutting up and acting all types of ways and stuff like that and cutting up in the grocery store line and can't get along, can't settle no dispute. Let me talk. Can't, can't got no fruit of the spirit whatsoever and they have the nerve to do something spiritual. Hey, glory to God. And, and no fruit, no character. I'm sure there are times we just ought to be quiet. I'm just saying, sometimes when your attitude gets the best of you and you done said some things you shouldn't have said, just be quiet the next few minutes. Just be quiet. Get out of the environment. Recoup. Get yourself together. The blood forgive if you ask for it. But at least have some uh, decorum. At least have some, some structure and some, some, some respect for what God's trying to do. You know, they're just certain people uh, don't care about nothing else as long they can tear it down as long as they find. Forget everybody else, you know. They can tear it down and it don't matter. Every, while, every once in a while, we ought to find a reason to be quiet. Let me pause to say right here, even sometime when God's just working on us. I don't even know who I'm talking to today, but I feel like the Holy Spirit want to help you today while you're on process to something. While God working with you, take the humble route sometime. Come on, somebody. Take the humble route. Hallelujah. Hey, man, I don't know who I'm talking to, but the Lord want to talk to you this morning. Just take the humble route. You know, you ain't got to always act like you mastering everything, especially when you're not. All right? You don't have to act like you're mastering everything, especially when you're not. Take the humble route. All right? Amen. You come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Come on. You didn't win every temptation. Come on now. There had to be some lessons in certain temptations. Come 
on now. I'm not trying to make you not walk in holiness, but we need some humility in this thing as well. We need some perspective in this thing as well. Come on, that you let people know God's working on me and I'm serious about the work he's doing on me. I'm not just saying it to saying God's working on me. There are times that even, I don't know where I am, but just hold on a little bit while I go chase this rabbit. He's, I've got to catch him. Uh, there are times uh, that when you look at other people's lives and the things that they are dealing with, it may be different from yours, but when you look at yours, it may be different, but it should cause you to hush up a little bit. It should cause you to be quiet. Oh, I got I got an institute. I don't know who I'm talking. God's trying to help some of us with our area of humility. The Bible even tells us that if you see a man overtaken in a fault, ye who are spiritual. Spiritual means skillful in spiritual things. Have wisdom in spiritual things. It says ye who are spiritual. All right. All right. Strengthen your brother, but consider yourself lest she fall meaning if you're not careful while you helping somebody else you'll be slipping your own self if you're not careful while you talk about what they should have done he should have done if you're not careful you will find yourself slipping come on somebody if you're not careful, the bible says even when you are addressing people who need to improve or get themselves together be careful consider yourself i gotta go back to the scripture the first part of that same verse says brethren so you don't treat them any kind of way it's your brethren brother and your sister it's a brethren if one of you be overtaken you don't handle family matters any type of way sometimes we need some humility in this thing because we are dealing with people's situation just the wrong way I may as well add this while I'm down chasing this rabbit I think I got him caught now sometimes you just need to leave other people's business alone Sometimes you just need to leave other people's business alone. Pray for them. And if they don't invite you in, can I talk in a little bit? Let me give you some wisdom because I know some folks get a spiritual license and you don't understand the jurisdiction of your license. You think you can go anywhere and everywhere in everybody's lives and you're out of order. Come on, you pray for them, and if they don't invite you in, you stay on the outside, and you can pray and love them without knowing. Some of us just want to know all the details, just want to know everything that went on in other people's lives. You better watch out when you become that type of person. I'm a pastor. I lead a couple hundred of great folks and people from afar, and I'll tell you the truth. There are certain things I don't even want to know. I said I don't even want to know so quick to be jumping in everybody's business I got authority through biblical uh, perspective to do certain things as it relates to certain people's lives let me just teach like I feel it and the Bible says the Bible says it says obey them then go to the scripture who have rule over you that rule word rule while I'm here means measure of authority 
So that don't even mean the pastor has authority to go up in everything in your life. It don't mean he has the authority to disrespect your life and be in places he shouldn't be in. He don't have the, he don't have the authority to be telling what y'all do on Mondays and Tuesdays and when, except for a fast led by God for a period of time. He's not telling y'all what to do, how to run your house. You have to run your own house. Come on, somebody. It's a measure of authority. It ain't full authority. So we got to be careful with dealing with people's lives. I don't know why I'm on this thing. Just be jumping up in folks' business all the time. Some things I wish I never knew. What's wrong with you, somebody? It takes prayer. Want to know everybody's business. You better be careful when you want to know everybody's business. You better be careful this social media thing that makes you hungry for everybody's business. I'm a, oh, I think I got the rabbit, but I, 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 I'm almost through with him. Be careful because this social media has a way uh, of making you desensitized that when you're commenting on somebody else's downfall that they're a real person and they have children and they have family and they got you better be careful because at the slight of the fingers and hands we miss that these are real people who got situations and circumstances and you don't want to be saying the wrong words while somebody over there reading your words come on somebody I, you know sometimes when you read an article and you hear about a tragic incident that ha happened in somebody's family you can always go to the comments and find a troll who has no wisdom has no sensitivity they done lost a loved one they done, something crazy done happened in their life and here's some troll with no sensitivity knowing not knowing that that family is reading the article too why am I on this? Because I think we got to have a greater sensitivity for our brothers and our sisters. Greater sensitivity and more humility about what people go through. And you are, and you, if you don't careful, it could be your words that send somebody in depression. It can be your lack of balance and wisdom that sends somebody thinking about ending their lives. Cause you don't know how to balance the situation in the moment you don't know how to not to go off on everybody come on somebody and i don't know if we just think we can rebuke everybody in the body of christ why am i here holy ghost we just think we can rebuke everybody in the body of christ come on somebody you know them you ain't walked with them you didn't train them you don't know the intricacies of their life yeah they wrong but you don't have the authority to rebuke them you don't have it because you ain't in relationship with somebody the person who's supposed to rebuke them is the person in relationship with them come on you can't rebuke them that's why you got to be careful even how you treat other people's children come on somebody because you have limited authority come on somebody why am I here come on somebody must be out of bounds somebody must be talking too much and God's trying to reel you back in telling you I remember one time and I told a story before and it made me it made me pretty hot pastor Robin gave me the when the Bible says he'll be a present help in the time of need God was being a present help in the time of need because I was hot Josh was having some situations at work my son at, at school and we didn't find out about it he was having a substitute teacher and, a, and teachers are good so this is only one teacher and it's not all teachers because you know how you start talking about a teacher a situation and then somebody make it like all these teachers are bad. Are these teachers don't love no kids? Look at your name and say, a teacher could be sitting next to you. <laughs> we take one thing and we make it every situation. 
I'm talking about one situation, one teacher that I had to address, but I want to deal with it because she was beyond her boundaries. She thought she was having some problems with my son Josh. She really wasn't. She was she was been a little overreaching a little bit. And we got and she never sent home any notes, never sent home such and such and such. And all of a sudden we get called into a meeting. So I want to know what's been going on. This is all of a sudden. We take off from work, and you know I'm old school. I got that mentality. If I got to take off my job, <laughs> you know, I had that kind of things. You know, I showed up there like I was in a Western movie. You know, <laughs> you know. If I got to take off, I came in. I came in there ready. You know, giving Josh them eyes. You know, you know. We get in there and we find out this thing's been going on for a while, whatever she proceeded to be going on. And she wanted to call a meeting with the assistant principal there. And she decided, uh, and when I asked, well, if this has been going on, how come you didn't send any notes home? Have you sent any notes? No, no, I, I was handling it. I was handling it. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I respect some level of that. But if you expect me as a parent to be able to support what's happening, you got to communicate with me. You got to educate me. You could send home a little note, hey, there's some things going on with this, you know. If you don't mind, have a chat with him. But you just gave me this low laundry list, you know. And I don't want you to think we allow our children to go to these schools. Who am I talking to today? I don't want you to think that we allow these children to go to these schools and wreak havoc and disobey. Because that's not the house they come out of. That's not the structure, not in this house now. And so I begin to tell them, wait, wait, we don't operate like that. Not in our house. We have expectations of our children that they will not go and disrupt the learning environment. That there will be a part and a productive uh, a child. You know, they teach citizenship and all that in class. And they'll do well. So we don't do that. So, and she began to tell me all that. Thing. She said, and then she waved me off and said, well, don't worry about Mr. Mr. Davis because we can handle it. I said, wait a minute. Why am I here then? If you can handle it, why am I here then? And then secondly, it's not for you to say that. You understand that I am the parent. When I send him to school, Lord, help me, help me. I feel like I'm talking to somebody. When I send him to school, I'm the parent. When he's in the classroom, I'm the parent. When he comes home, there's never not a time that I'm not the parent. I want you to understand that. While he's in the school, you have a role, you do your job, you do well, and, but I'm always the parent. And don't you ever forget that. And I was so mad, my hands started shaking. I was so mad, Pastor Ron was, calm down, honey. Because she was beyond her boundaries, and now she was disrespecting me. And I looked at the principal, and I said, can you handle this? I looked at the principal, can you handle this? You, you see what's going on, can you handle this? She said, yes, sir, Mr. David. I said, I think so. Y'all got to pray for me, because I'm one of those persons. I just said, y'all pray for me for real. And I said, I don't want to have to come up in here again and deal with that situation again. Y'all pray for me now, all right? So I wanna, I wanna say it. Y'all pray for me. I meant what I said too. Y'all wanna pray for me? I wanna say this to say this, and hopefully you got it by now. While I'm using the illustration, be careful not to go beyond your boundaries. Be careful not to disrespect people because they down. Who am I talking to here today? That the Lord has interrupted my main point. Be careful of that. Don't take that lightly. Don't disrespect them because they down right now. Don't treat them like trash because they're going through something. Don't treat them like trash because they're going through a hardship. Be careful with your level of humility. Can y'all clap your hands? Because I feel like if y'all clap by faith, Lord help. 
Matthew 3. We're about to finish up. Matthew 3. Matthew 3. I'm going to start at verse 6. God began to call these, his people back to repentance. And I want to teach this, but I want you to see what I'm really trying to get to in Matthew 3. Malachi, I appreciate you. Thank you. Malachi 3, I appreciate that. Malachi 3, verse 6. It says, I am the Lord. I do not change. I'm holy. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Because I've been keeping you. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees. Failed to obey them. Not, now return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Now see this arrogance? God telling me, it's time for y'all to come back. It's time for you to tighten up your lifestyle. Tighten up your attitude, tighten up your conduct. And as the, the prophet is giving the word, the Lord said, return to me. Said, what you talking about, Lord? What you talking about? How are you going to talk about returning? You ain't with nowhere. <laughs> verse 8. <clears throat> verse 8. Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Will a man cheat God? Yeah, you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? The Lord says, you have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to who? Due to me. You are under a curse. For the whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. The other requirement that he gave the people of God is that they will give and honor him with the first fruit of thy increase. He held them responsible for keeping the move of God going and keeping the kingdom of God going. And he begins to come to them and say, hey, I need you to understand how important giving of your first fruits or your tithe and your tithe is important. And he calls them into accountability through the prophet. This is very important. It's not about the pastor calling the people into accountability. God said it was important. First of all, we got to understand, even understanding the tithe, the tithe represents a tenth. Everybody say a tenth. Right? And he was teaching them to honor him with the fruit of their labors. Now, this is important because in the day and time we live in, we get very creative. And we start saying, I'm not going to tithe money. I'm going to tithe my time. Now, while you can give your time, you can't tithe your time. Because tithe is the fruit of your labor. Your effort is not the fruit of your labor. Yeah, fruit of your labor is when you put something in and you give God a tenth of your return. And so it's not proper to say you're going to tithe your time. You can give your time, but giving your time is not a replacement of giving your monetary tithe. We say, well, Pastor Joe, in the Bible, they gave fruit. All right, well, if you're a farmer, we just want 10% of your fruit. It's the same principle. If you swap, it was fruit, it was, it, was, it was cow and land. If you got cow and land, it's the same principle. It don't change. People try to get out of it by saying, well, Pastor, they was talking about having cows. Well, go get a cow. <laughs> the principle is simple. It's 10% of the fruit of your labor. What I'm trying to say is, many times as people of God, we try to wiggle ourselves out of God's requirements. 
This is what was happening here and God thought it was important to not just remind them of their covenants, their worship, but also their giving. Their worship, their giving has to become worship unto the Lord. Very simply, our tithe reminds us that God is our source. God is our source. We worship him with the fruit of our labor. He is our source and he will take care of us. Come on, say he'll take care of me. I know it, but when I start giving tithe, I'm about to be done. When I start giving tithe, I was not doing well financially. One of the challenges I have to tell people about their giving unto the Lord is be careful of waiting until things get better. Because be careful, because if you keep waiting until things get better, you're never going to do what God has called you to do. You got to start walking in obedience. I want to get to the point where he begins to tell them what he's going to do for them. All right. Let's get to that verse. What he's going to open up the windows of heaven. All right. Verse 10. I read New Living Translation. If you do, if you bring your tithes and offerings, says the Lord, heaven, heaven's army, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. And pour out a blessing so, uh, so great you won't have enough room to take it in. He says, try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall through the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of the, of the heaven's armies. God says, look, when you start giving to me a part of your giving, I'm going to open everybody say, open up the windows. When he says open up the windows of heaven, what he's talking about is open up the spiritual aspects of your life. The one of the first windows that happens when you worship through giving, the tithe and offering, is the first window that happens is he opens you up. Open you up. What I mean open you up? Open you up to your destiny, your calling, what you're supposed to be doing. Open you up in instruction. Open you up in direction. You're not walking around blind. You're not walking aware unaware. He gives you knowledge. He gives you information. So the first part of the window is opening you up. That you start walking in insight and walking in perspective and walking in timing and season. One of the worst tragedies about destiny is not to know where you're supposed to be. I said one of the worst tragedies about destiny is not to know where you're supposed to be. Because if you don't know where you're supposed to be, then you can't do what God has called you to do in the right place God just called you to, to do it in. But when you know where you're supposed to be, God gives you an unction to function. He gives you a knowing of what you're supposed to be doing and where you're supposed to be doing it at. He said, I'm going to pour, if I say pour out blessings. He promises them that if they will obey him in giving, obey him in covenant, obey him in worship, that he will pour out blessings so great they don't have room enough to receive. That's one part is the pouring out, but then he also promises divine, if I say divine protection. He says, the things that come against you, I'll come against it. He says, I'll fight for you. If insects or disease will come against their crop, God said, I'll fight against the things that come against you. Not only will he prosper us, but he will protect us. Protect us. And then verse 12 says, then in all the nations will call you blessed. For your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of hosts. I want to teach a little bit and I had a little more, but I'm going to end right here. I want to get ready for a year for the books. That if you would take God seriously you're going to see the blessing.
God bless you. If that blessed your soul, we will love for you at your next opportunity to join us in worship every Sunday morning in Monticello, the Victorious Church at 8 a.m. or our Dream Center location here in Tallahassee at 10 a.m. We would love to have you and your family and we can't wait for you to join us at any of our locations. This is Pastor Joseph Davis. God bless you and join us again.